listening to She Rises, a podcast dedicated to women who are ready to stop settling and start living their lives by design. If you're ready to talk about the stuff that weighs you down and get practical advice on everything from your health, body image, spirituality, relationships, and personal growth, then you're in the right place. Hello, I'm Giovanna Capoza, your host, master coach, spiritual teacher, and mind-body expert, and I'm on a mission to unsettle women all over the world. Are you ready to rise? Hello, and welcome back to another episode of She Rises. I'm your host, Giovanna Capoza, and I'm here today with Allison Crow, your favorite life coach. And I have to tell you, I was looking forward to this interview for a few weeks now because Allison, she's a friend. She's awesome. She's a fellow coach. Um, We're in the same community of coaches together and her energy and her personality is contagious. Now I will warn you, if you've got little kids in the room, you might want to put a headset on because there is going to be some language in this episode. Allison is strictly authentic and she keeps it real and that's what I love about her. And sometimes she keeps it raunchy. Allison has been a coach professionally and successfully for over 12 years. Before that, she was a self-employed realtor and teacher. She's been studying personal development since she was 24, and her master's degree is in educational psychology from the University of Texas at Austin. Allison started her coaching career as a sales productivity coach in Texas. She quickly had so much success at the local level, she was tapped to become the first international coach of the productivity coaches in that global organization. In 2011, she left that company and created Soulful Living, her own soul-focused coaching company where she was able to broaden the scope of her work, bring in a little woo-woo as she would call it, and include spirituality, energetic, and creative coaching alongside with her business coaching. She is a certified visual coach, a certified expressive artist facilitator, and was a founding member of 4PC, an international organization of the top 4% of coaches and leaders in the world. Alison Crow. I am telling you, you guys are going to enjoy this episode. She is funny. She is real. And we're going to talk about bringing your creativity and your soulfulness into everything that you do, but especially for you women entrepreneurs out there. How can you create soulful success, meaning success that feels really aligned and really good at a soul level, where you feel like you're on purpose and you're bringing in your creativity and all parts of yourself? Can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. Enjoy. Hey, Allison, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on. Hello, thank you for having me. We've been planning this for a while. We have. And um, I was saying in the intro that you're one of my favorite people. You're just fun and irreverent and Um, I said sometimes raunchy and totally authentic. So I'm excited to have this conversation and and completely anticipating that I'm going to be pleasantly surprised and our audience will have just a lot of fun (laughs) with this conversation. I love it. I love being able to have the freedom to play like without this massive structure. Um, I remember being on, you know, Mandy Lito's Moxie cast and she ended up calling it tapas, like, like little tasty bites. And (laughs) so I'm sure we'll have some fun tasty bites today too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, welcome again to the show. And I, you know, you, you're this woman who was this powerhouse already entrepreneur. You were like this realtor superstar and then you left that behind to start this soulful business and and you kind of like it it feels like you went from this real structured place to as you would call it a more woo woo place and i wonder if you could tell us a little bit of that story yeah let me um let me just tap into the concise version um i mean i've always i've always been an overachiever um i have an excruciating need for approval and love and significance. And I still do. And, um, so when I, I, I became a realtor and then I very quickly became a coach for realtors. And then I became a coach for the coaches of realtors and all that happened really fast. And I was doing really well and I was growing and learning and it's, you know, it's where I got my feet wet in the coaching world. But then after a while, my, like just the insides, I, my insides were, there was, I was wanting to be more me. And every time I let out a little bit more of an authentic version of me, I got my hand slapped. Um, 
by the people that I worked for, right? Like, oh, I would never do that. Oh, I can't believe you did that. I remember being pulled out of a corporate party and just being shit shamed for something I said in uh, an event. And I have the purest heart. I mean, sometimes I can be a bitch and hate people, but <laughs> I, I genuinely, I, you know, it's not like I wake up and say, you know what, I think I'm going to really say something nasty or mean or do something to disparage. I mean, I really tried to honor this company and I loved it and I loved my clients. And, and one day I realized I was, I mean, this was a long process, but I just like, I wanted to do more. I wanted to be more. And even though I was an independent contractor at the time, my company kind of had some weird, you know, they really did treat us like employees and they kind of used the at will firing, you know, a lot of shame tactics. And it was very strange for me because I was learning these amazing personal and spiritual growth things, but I wasn't seeing it practiced. And so it was really uh, upsetting to my inner alignment. I don't think I knew what that was at the time, but it, something was so off kilter and I wanted to leave, but I was terrified. I was terrified I wouldn't make it. I was terrified my new husband would leave me. And ultimately when I realized, so I left once and then I turned around and ran right back when they offered me um, a promotion. And, and I remember sitting in my backyard near Austin at the time and I, I did a Byron Katie turnaround. I had done some that had saved my marriage. It was very early in my exposure to Byron Katie. But I was like, I just want so-and-so and so-and-so to approve of me. And I flipped that around to, oh, I can give myself the approval. Like, do I mm. approve of me? And I was like, I really do like me. I'm sweet. I'm nice. I'm really good at this. I mean, like, why wouldn't why wouldn't they just adore me? And if they don't, this is not where it's supposed to be. So I adore me. So let's go. And um, so I left. And it was funny because when I left, this woman that it's, it's one of those like soul contracts, right? So I can only thank, thank her for the gift she is. But she was like, why would you leave 105,000 agents? And I was like, first of all, I only need seven clients. Second of all, I'm not leaving you. I'm going towards me. Mm. And that was a huge She Rises moment. Damn. Like, yeah. It was a big <laughs> deal. That was what was so big. That was so big. So this is one of the things like just giving a little little flag here for anybody thinking about leaving. You know, the first time I left, I was leaving them and it didn't stick and I was in fear. And the second time I was really in alignment. I knew that I could give myself on it. And I was going towards myself. And there was nothing that could stop me when I was in that place. Oh, I love it. And oh my God, there's so many nuggets in that story that I want to pull out. But like the the, the first one that I, I think, you know, a lot of women struggle with, and I myself, I'm, I'm still, you know, recovering from this. It's that whole, like, you're too much. Like mm -hmm. you need to yep. simmer down. Like I remember when I was a kid, I used to always hear you're too much or you're too loud. Mm -hmm. And we learn to um, be ashamed of who we are mm -hmm. yep. and to have to simmer down and just, and really just go with the rest of the sheeple, right? As mm -hmm. I call them yep. and yep. just become one of the sheep. And it's so detrimental and so toxic to whatever the stirring of our soul's calling is. And I, I see in that story how that was happening to you. And we do it. We do it out of fear. We do it because like the job or the, the marriage or the whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's it's so sad to me. And like I said, I myself, I'm still, you know, stepping into that spotlight in various ways, claiming that loudness or too muchness of myself. Yeah. You know, it's so funny, Giovanna, even this weekend, okay, I'm sharing this here with you. Someone said, you should share this on your own podcast. And I'm a, I'm, I'm a little nervous to share it right now. I think I'll let some time pass. But this weekend here in Austin, um, I went to this gift event through this, this program. And there's two women that one of it run it. And one of them I really resonate with. And the other one I really wanted to resonate with. And she, you know, they're giving advice. I realized that I was probably a little bit more advanced for this class. And I was getting some feedback on this program that I'm doing. And, and we, you talked about in the intro, you said, you know, doing business a different way, and we can get into that. And this woman has great advice, and she has great success, and she has great thigh gap, and she has great blonde hair and a great second apartment in downtown <laughs> wait, 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 Austin. Wait. Did you just say thigh gap? <laughs> it took me a minute. I know. I'm being, I'm being a little bitchy here. I'm just, I'm going to be real. I wish I weren't. I want, 
I want to love her and she's not wrong. She's just not right for me. Okay. So I don't, thigh, I, really I, don't ha- I haven't had thigh gap and I don't even, since I was two. <laughs> I know. She's beautiful. She's just a few years younger than me. You know, so I'm, I'm just acknowledging like, God, I'd love to look, I don't want that thigh gap, but I wouldn't mind having that waist. <laughs> I really, I really wouldn't mind having that belly again. Um, I, you know, I was like, I remember the time when I had a second apartment when my husband and I lived in the suburbs and we had a little condo downtown and, you know, that, that was remembering back to this time where I was making gobs of money, but I wasn't true to myself. And, and so she had, you know, was trying to give me advice and she said the way I remember. So I don't, that's the other thing I really want to take. I'm in the middle of this mess right now uh, in my mind, mindset and meaning and this need for approval being triggered, um, and this simmer down and, and this this woman giving her well-meaning advice interrupted somebody who was giving me advice that I really that really felt in alignment. And she said, you won't. This is what I remember her saying. So I'm just acknowledging she could have said something different in my <laughs> psyche. Right. I mean, we do right, that. Totally. Right? Yeah. But the way I remember it is she said, you will never succeed at this membership program if you don't hire a professional copywriter. And my reaction to her was like, yeah, you don't you don't know me and my audience because my audience, it like if I showed up in, in plastic marketing, my audience would laugh me. I mean, totally. They, they would, they would laugh, right? Like you, because it's me. not, like, it's not you, right? And so I, but here the adult in me stood up, you know, and said, "No, thank you." I'd actually like to finish hearing what she was saying. And she kind of argued back and I was like, no, seriously, you don't get, you don't know me. You're, you're giving great advice, but you don't know me. But the five-year-old in me, right? The five-year-old in me was like, I can't believe you're pushing back at this woman and she's the boss and she's in charge. And, you know, the five in me, five-year-old in me was not comfortable. Therefore, I did not come out graceful when I was, you know, politely declining her artificial, what I experienced, it probably was totally true for her. But I was like, oh, geez, here we are again in the spiral. Like I'm back again. And I, Giovanna, <laughs> that was four days ago. I'm still like, seriously, well, throw the fuck up, Allison. Like, and I'm being, you know, I'm coaching myself and being gentle and allowing, but it's so funny how that still that need to fit in. And, and I think the, the, the larger picture is I've moved back to the city of Austin and I've made up a story that all of a sudden I'm too much again, right? The too much. That's the theme of my live event next year is, and we're going to have a too much party because so many of us women have been, and too much is also the same as not enough, right? Like we're in our two. Yes. So we're going to have a big too much party where everybody is going to come dressed as their too muchness, like overemphasize their too muchness and too muchness is encouraged. I got to be at that party. I got to find out more about that. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, we're going to have, I mean, my whole body just got chills. We're going to have a lot of conversations and it came out of a gal that I was coaching live on stage at my event last year. And again, it was just like, well, I wouldn't be wearing this outfit. I'd be wearing this wild hippie skirt and these red cowboy boots and a wild yellow hat. And, you know, but that would never go over in my neighborhood. And it was like, well, you better bring that damn outfit here next year so we can hold you. And even last week, a client from my old real estate company, um, she just joined the program and she was messaging me all these messages behind the scenes. And I said, sweetheart, these are all amazing things to share in the group. Why don't you share them in the group? And she goes, I don't want to be that girl in, you know, the, I don't want to be the one in the coaching group that is too much. Mm, and I said, that said I too said, much or that came across yep. a certain way. Yep. Right. You know, that quote, that girl. And I said, I want you to be all of who you are. There is like, bring your too muchness, right? Bring it. I welcome all of you. If you post 200 times a day in there, which she won't, but I welcome all of her. And, and so you're so right. Like I've had, so that's the thing, right? I have to welcome my own too muchness. Absolutely. Otherwise, we're just always being judged from the outside because it's, I mean, there's nobody else. That's us judging ourselves. I'm projecting, that's the thing. I'm projecting my stuff on this woman. This woman is, is, is neutral, right? She's neutral. She's neither good nor bad. She's neutral. I am not responsible for her. And so that's what I'm like, just really realizing and still acknowledging the pain I felt, but realizing, oh, wait. I, 
I am too much for some people. I, you know, this whole fact, the way that I do business, the way that I do, it really pisses people off because, because I, I don't know why it does, but they don't, they don't seem to respond well when I tell them how I create my clients and how I get my business. Well, the people that aren't your people, right? right, So like marketing, effective marketing or effective anything really being an influencer is the ability to be polarizing, right? Like if you're just like wishy-washy and blending in with everybody else, yeah, you don't really get people's attention, but you are polarizing and your people love you and they love everything that you put out. And the people that don't, they're just not your people. And this is one of the pieces I wanted to bring into this conversation because you, you do this for women, for women entrepreneurs and specifically you work with men as well, but there's this, this, this way that you help people get to their truest, authentic expression and using creativity. And I wonder, could you talk up to that a little bit? And and maybe you have some tips or um, things for our audience about how you steer people into, you know, making peace with this too muchness. You know, one of my favorite quotes that is, I'm quoting myself here, my clients roll their eyes every time I say it. But like, our, I, I believe that one of our main jobs as adults is to learn to reparent ourselves, yes. right? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So here's what I think I'm really gifted at and how I do it. Um, one of my clients asked me yesterday, is coaching all intuition or is it like following a map? And I was like, sweetheart, at this point, for me, it's both. So here's what I'm able to do. I'm finally able to recognize. I actually hear between the lines of what people say or write. Yes. And and so I, when I hear that and certain language on a, in a spiritual sense, so certain language, certain things they say fires off a little scene or a movie psychically in my head. And I can hear the container that needs to be created for that person within the group. So I can hear whether um, I can hear whether like they need to just be soft and held, or whether they need to be, you know, nose to nose and face to face and chest to chest confronted. Um, but really, what it is, so it's just like this woman that that messaged me, right? is giving her permission. So when I notice even the slightest, slightest, that's a great word. The slightest, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> right? I make up my own words. Um, when I notice them peeping out their little bits of expression, because most of my clients aren't there. If they're, if they're coming through my doors, they're not offended. <laughs> they're delighted and they're curious. And so they will kind of subconsciously sneak out and like test the waters. And as soon as I energetically hear that testing, I actually invite it to come in. And so what I'm, what I'm telling clients to do, and I have different ways. So we'll, I can talk about painting and stuff in a minute, but it's like, Oh, really? Tell me more. Right. Do you write that? Do you share that? Would you like, like I ask them, what do, what do they want? How do they want to express it? And some want to express it in song and some want to change the way they dress and some want to, I I think I, I think I might like to paint. Like I had a client last week. She was like, I'm kind of bored. We go out to my ranch every weekend and the guys do the shooting and the hunting and I walk through nature. But, and I was like, well, what could you do if you could do anything? She's like, oh, I might like to paint. And I was like, well, let's get you some art journal stuff. That's a great (laughs) thing to do while you're sitting in a cabin in the woods. Right. And so what I really am somehow able to do is listen to what they're already wanting and then just give them permission and set them up. Um, to do that. And so the creativity that most people notice because it's obvious and visual is expressive arts and painting. And this was a part of my own journey in 2013 as a part of that rising up. So the first rising up um, of, of since we, you know, what we're talking about happened in 2010, the second rising up happened in around 2012 and 13. And in 2013, I started painting and I haven't, I hadn't painted I had drawn markers and done the corporate thing with with graphic recording, but that's, you know, painting what somebody else did. And I started like June 6, 2013, and, and I started painting. I and love was, that. And I want to interject there for one second yeah. because I've, I've always known you as a coach and an artist. It's been a couple of years now. And um, I watch you do what you do, which for when we, we have these events twice a year with, um, Rich Litvin, 
they're public intensives and you provide the art and you and you basically kind of storyboard the mm-hmm. the weekend which is ama- like I just sometimes I mesmerize I just watch you do it and to me this is something you've been doing since birth it's it's kind of like when you see a really amazing singer so can you backtrack a little bit into like how your creativity started because Sounds like even before you were painting, you were doing this artwork. Well, right. Obviously, as a kid, I mean, I taught kindergarten for a couple of years. And, and, you know, every single one of those five-year-olds comes into the class as an artist. And I switched from teaching kindergarten to being a technology coordinator for this school. So I, I taught all grades K through eight. And I did my own little tiny population scientific study of, of how the children saw themselves as artists. And, and. And by second grade, in kindergarten and first grade, they all saw themselves as artists, boys and girls. By by third or fourth grade, most of the, the girls started falling off. By fifth grade, there were no girls left that saw themselves as artists. And, and by seventh, eighth grade, there was one or two that saw themselves as artists. And they were always boys that wow. were doing like graphic novels. Now, granted, this is a very small population, but this was just, I started noticing that wow, what happens? And and who knew that 10 years later, like I would realize that somewhere along the way I had shut off my artistic thing. So I was coaching and training in real estate and I just couldn't handle the four colors in the um, dry erase boards. And so like I had a dry erase markers that were like 16 colors and it started there and I would just be taking notes and facilitating. And thanks to this glorious thing we have called the interwebs, I realized that there was actually this business called graphic facilitation and graphic recording that I was already doing. And I ran out to uh, Victoria, Canada on a weekend and I got trained with a woman named Christina uh, Merkley. I think that's her name. Um, And it put a few pieces together. It helped me it's like a, maybe a, a, you know, lay person photographer going and learning a few more things like, and, and I immediately went home and got my first $9,000 gig. So, you know, there was some training involved and there's certain, you know, I've trained myself to write a certain way and I use certain tools. So that's the thing is people see that and they see magic and I see that and I see structure and tools and rules. Right. Well, it tell us, I'm like really, magic. I'm curious because I'm curious with that, you know, um, informal little study that you just mentioned, because I grew up very much with the the mantra of, well, I'm not creative. I'm not creative. And I realized as I got into my 20s that that was total BS. I started getting into performing. I started getting into, you know, doing some improv. Um, you know, now I've picked up painting, which I just mm-hmm. spontaneously decided to do even a co- just a couple of weekends ago. And I'm like, Good. I love this. This is like amazing. It's like meditation. I love it. Um, but I grew up that way. And it's interesting when you talked about your observations in school, why do you think that happens? Why do we drop this? Here's why it happens. So there was a little boy named Renee when I taught kindergarten. He was in my first class. These kids are 25 now. Renee drew with only a turquoise crayon. Everything he did with in art and with crayons. So like we have a little color time for 30 minutes every single day where the kids just free colored and everything was turquoise. And the well-meaning teacher that was my co-teacher said, Renee, sunshines aren't turquoise. They're yellow or orange. That's why. (laughs) And I saw that and I was like, no, Renee, like, you know, here I am the new teacher and she's been teaching for 30 years. And I think people mean well, but there are so many ways that People tell us that our version of cre- it's the too muchness, right? Like, oh, it's too much to have a turquoise sun. And I could see that little boy's soul was just lost. Um, oh, that's so sad because and, it's and, like sticking to some kind of rules that someone made up, like, and it just zaps it right out of. Well, it, it it does, and it happens. So whether they're being artistic in school, and and you know, one of the things I've heard from. So two kinds of women come to my painting retreats. One h- half of them are usually women who haven't painted since they were in in grade school. And it usually starts in grade school, like when some some teacher tells them that's not good enough. And then the other half are grown women who have art degrees. 
and their professors said it was wrong or that they had to follow a certain rule or, you know, you're taught all these rules, but we're, nobody gives us, it's the same thing in business. I think it's good to learn some of the business structures and then break them. Right. Right. (laughs) So I'm not saying don't learn light and balance and contrast and coordinating colors and all these other elements, but that's, what's so beautiful about being a non-trained artist. Um, is that I just, at this point, I just don't give a fuck. I want to paint what feels good. And so process painting is very different from performance painting. And process creativity, when you see these little cute little kids like dancing, right? Their, Their parents are videotaping them dancing and they're just moving to the music. Or little kids that create art just with a blank page in their crayons. They are process painting. They are not going, oh, well, my tree's not tall enough and my sun is not yellow. They're not critical. And so the the critic just comes out of the woodwork when we judge ourselves in our creativity, whether it's writing or dancing or singing or painting or cooking or, you know, cooking is creativity. And I judge myself like crazy in that creative expression. And then, and then that, that's so amazing, Giovanna, because as I'm sitting here, like I'm realizing the connection to business too, is we, we don't give ourselves permission to create because we're so afraid of doing it wrong. And maybe we're not even afraid of the world's judgment, but we haven't learned how to soften and be tender and be present with our own judgment of ourselves. Well, I'm we, glad you you segued into that because I wanted to I wanted to go there next. I wanted to go to how do we apply all of this to our businesses because that's one of your strong suits and your forte because I mean the way I see art and that story of that little boy just breaks my heart because I, oh. oh because I can put myself in that too and then what happens is that outer voice of the teacher or the parent or whoever it is that's asking you to color in the lines then becomes your inner voice. And then we mm-hmm. we just do this to ourselves throughout life. And I still very much struggle with the like perfectionist, it's got to be right. And am I doing this right? And, you know, am I going to, uh, am I going to be wrong? And one of your gifts that I've seen is bringing this creative self-expression into entrepreneurship. And I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit. Well, I realized the first time I realized um, I was on a panel of productivity coaches at my company. So I was the first productivity coach and a very, very financially lucrative for myself and my company. Productivity coaches coached new realtors into production. And I was on this, you know, we'd have these four or five conferences a year and I was on this panel and I don't even remember how it came up. But at some point on that panel, I mentioned my struggle with um, with, uh, depression, uh, chemical depression, not circumstantial, but just it's hereditary. It runs through my family. We are all low on serotonin. (laughs) And, and I remember that. And I, I kind of let it, you know, here I am in my black suit and my slick, cute, super blonded hair and I four inch heels and very sophisticated. And I, I let out this tiny little subtle burp of vulnerability of vulnerability right because you didn't do vulnerability um this was probably in 2008 2009 yeah even now it's not very corporate is it it's not right right, (laughs) but here's what happened afterwards I had a line of 100 people waiting in line to talk to me like I was some celebrity and they were all the other coaches in the company and they were saying me too me too me too and it's interesting right because so many people I know that are in the helping services professions and coaching and counseling and therapy and in helping we're very sensitive mm. we're and that's one of the reasons we're so good at it right and and so I actually got a whole bunch of clients that weekend, not to mention just a whole bunch of tender hearts just saying, thank you for sharing. I, nobody's ever given me permission to be successful and struggle with chronic depression too. And then I was talking with the leader of this organization at the time and she just looked at me in her, you know, $4,000 suit. I wish I could remember the name of the the brand, like in her, just her <laughs> fanciness and, and in the piousness of her beautiful office. And she goes, I would never have shared that kind of personal information. It was very clear that she was saying you should never have, like, how dare you embarrass the company? And I was like, but did you see the connection it created? Like, 
And that was my thing. That, that was one of the reasons I was so successful as a coach. It wasn't because I said, how many calls did you make? And shit shamed you if you didn't make them. I don't do accountability. People ask me that all the time. I'm like, I am not your damn accountability coach. Your heart and your pillow at night and your bank account are accountability, not mm-hmm. my shame. And and so I realized, oh, wait a minute. The more I share, and, and me too, you know, it grew just a little bit, little bit, little bit. And then when I left that, right, obviously I was, able to start having a little bit more foul language. And I love the <laughs> word fuck. I think fuck is one of the best words. I'm not a big fan of like, it's so gratifying, you. isn't it? <laughs> but it is. And it just, especially as I, I'm such a nice girl and I behave for so long. And so it's just so fun to embrace my foul language. And I grew up in a family that cusses and, and you're my from husband, Texas, damn it. <laughs> yes. Fucking cowgirl. And, um, it's so funny. Cause as I was crossing over, right? Like I wish I could just show, you know, it's like the visual of Allison growing and the old tribe is leaving and the new tribe is coming. There are so many people would say that fuck is not professional. I'm like, oh, we'll tell that to Nadine Larder because Nadine Larder paid me $7,000. And she said, the reason I hired you is because you had fuck on your homepage, which I don't think I have it on my homepage (laughs) now, but I had, I had on my website and this was the defensive version of me, right? So I'm, I'm much more in an allowing place, but at the time it's like, I had to defend my authenticity. And so I would you know, the rebel in me would put the F word and I would put typos on the front page because if somebody sent me one of those fucking, you have a typo emails, they were not. Oh, I get those all the time. I've had people correct me even on Facebook. <laughs> right. Well, and I know they mean well, but yeah. geez, you know, I'm not in graduate school anymore. I don't need your red pen in my life. And if you can't overlook that. So, so then I learned, <laughs> oh, wait, this is, this is actually, so I have a saying with my clients, your problem is your best marketing. Right. And so What I loved was that people who don't like someone who types so fast and hits publish before reviewing, they're not my people. People who can't handle. So I love, this is what's so fun. Varian Brandon doesn't cuss. She never has cussed. She is hardcore Christian and she's one of my best friends and was a very good and very well high paying client for a long time. And what I love about Varian is that Varian allows me to be me and doesn't need me to be like her. That's, that's a whole different Mm. story, but right. Most people aren't able to do that. Most people only want to hang around with permission people who they're exactly like. And so I started experimenting and I, I started, you know, thinking, well, why do I dry my hair straight? What if I let it go curly? And Oh, I like to wear jeans on stage. I don't wear dresses very well. And, you know, I just started like, I started thinking, what do I really like? Because I I had only lived the way I thought I was supposed to. And so then the creativity came out the same thing. It's like, not what should I paint? What do I want to paint? What do I, you know, what do I want to paint? And then I spent a year, uh, last year, I spent a year actually getting trained in expressive arts. And I remember, I remember signing up with a woman and I was like, I really don't need the certification. I just want to come hang with the old ladies in the woods and paint all year long. <laughs> and I remember looking up in one of the circles going, holy shit, this is deep. This is the deepest work I've ever done. Like the deepest personal work. This is like painting therapy. And, you know, they don't technically call it therapy, but it 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 was so healing because we actually, in the way they do it, they you paint on paper and you paint with cheap paint and everything gets thrown away. So you're not attached to, you know, a hundred dollar canvas. Yes. Yeah. And so that's the whole point is like you just, and there is no right and there is no wrong. The only thing that's right is painting what you feel. And if you feel like painting a giant vagina, you know, beating a penis to smithereens or, I mean, I painted some of my darkest paintings. I painted this giant green penis monster. That was the too much penis. Oh my gosh. I'll have to share it with you. I'm serious. (laughs) You got to send that to me. We'll put it, put it somewhere in the, in the show notes for sure. Between the giant and I didn't, you know, I didn't say, I think I want to paint a green penis. I just started painting this giant shape. And I, then I realized I was like, oh my gosh, it's this giant way that, and not obviously not all males like this, but in my life that so many men have told me I was too much. So many people have told me I was too much. And I just let all that come out on the canvas. And then I painted the little girl under there. I'll have to send that to you. And, and then there was another one where I painted this happy little girl. And, and then I, next thing I know, I'm painting her going down into the underworld. And 
the process of this, like these two, like the outside person can actually see the story. So they're good examples. But so many of my paintings, you couldn't see anything, but they were so cathartic because I was able to take this happy little girl and go down into the depths of death. And as she went down, you know, the voices that tell us all, you better not go here. You'll die if you feel this pain. I think I've seen that one. Yeah. I think it's pretty powerful. Well, and if you really get into it and look into it, all of us have those voices that have not just stifled our creativity, but they've stifled our I amness. We've forgotten who we are. And so when we can actually, what I learned through this is looking at the shadow and sitting with your dad, maybe saying, stop that crying bullshit, you're too much. And, and, you know, I could push that down, depress it down for years. But as I began to sit and learn how to hold the shadow through creativity without needing it to look good, all of a sudden, well, let me, let me, not all of a sudden, over time, I wish it was all of a sudden, over (laughs) time, right, that pain became bearable. And I saw that my heart could hold it all. And I don't need to run from the shadow, which gives me permission to be more freaky and creative. Well, and I want to link that to like, I want to link everything that you just shared there for the audience, because what I see time and time again, both in in my own business and with other people, and especially with the people that are in your community, who I, I know many of them and yourself, is this link between vulnerability and creativity and your business. Right. And there's no more like the mechanical you know, start your business and this is how you market to people. And like, here's the formula, like that's out the window. Now your authenticity and your vulnerability needs to come through when who you are. And what I'm hearing you really share is that your creative artistic expression has actually been the thing that's helped you get even more authentic with yourself. And then, you know, obviously with your audience. Well, it's fun because I haven't actually haven't been painting lately. Right. So I was painting prolifically every single day, huge paintings. And, and as that's come to the surface, I still have little ways that I'm creative, but I'm creating in a different way. But what it does do is gives me permission to learn in front of people. And this is one of the business things that I encourage people to do, right? Because a lot of us don't want to release something in the world until we're perfectionist. And like you, my podcast is relatively new. Um, and I have I have experimented with some different, but that's the thing. I, I didn't wait until it was perfect, until I was an expert at podcasting. I decided to give it a go and make a commitment to it. And I told people, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I changed formats. I started out, sharing audios of these live classes that we would do. And then I was like, yeah, that's not really working. So I've switched to more traditional podcasting. And, and I, I, I'm just, I'm learning in front of people. And and my, one of my friends um, that listens to my podcast, she was like, your most recent episode, the audio was so good. You were spot on. Your pacing was wonderful. And I was like, Hey, thanks for listening. And she's like, I'm not listening because you're a friend. I'm listening because they're good. And it just, you know, here I am 10 months in and I'm just now getting good. And I had to let myself be wobbly. And, and well, so there's something liberating about that when you can just let yourself be a novice and not care about being perfect. Exactly. So here's the thing. It's easy for us to say that as teachers and leaders, right? But what I never had, Giovanna, was a teacher that modeled it. So I always tell my clients, I lead from within the circle. I don't lead from the pulpit. I'm holding your hand and I am only one toe in front of you. Yes. <laughs> Because nobody, that's the one thing I still have a hard time finding women. I can find men who have done it, but I am craving the fierce feminine that is authentic and willing to screw up. And and I don't know if I I can't speak for for men, but I know us women sometimes. God, we want to get it perfect. We want to look good. We want to suffer from that disease, girl. I hear you. Yes, I still do. And so my antidote to that disease is saying, fuck it. It's so funny. You you asked me to wear the tutu on the show today. And yesterday I was (laughs) wearing it too. I actually put something on Facebook. This is so funny. I put something on Facebook and somewhere and there was a request for a tutu and a client sent me three tutus, a pink one, a yellow one for my branding color, and then a rainbow light up one. And yesterday I was so heavy with this, um, this interaction I had with this woman and from coaching myself over it, I, I heard my, my guide say, just lighten the fuck up and be like a child, <laughs> like 
you know, you know, children get over their drama so quickly. I was like, just forget about it. And so I knew I was going to go to the gym and I was like, I'm wearing my tutu today. And my husband looks at me and goes, I am not being seen in public with you. And I said, oh yes, you are. I had more fun. I wore that thing around the neighborhood. I wore that thing into the pizza joint for lunch. I wore that at the Gold's Gym. I have to I tell you, it was the Facebook. highlight of my morning scrolling down Instagram this morning and seeing you in the gym doing whatever you were doing with those ropes with this yellow tutu on. And I was just like, what in the hell is she doing? Oh. And it just brought a smile to my and face. My, my big old gut, like I'm not, you know, I'm not CrossFit lady. I've got middle-aged bigness because my body needed to grow into the size that my soul wanted. My body doesn't want thigh gap. My body is luscious and needs to hold all of who I am. And, and I love it. And yes, but that's what was so fun. It was so it was like, and it, it was just, I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, the girl that actually sent them to me, she was like, this is my business coach. And that's what she shared, right? She's like, y'all, this is my business coach, not not some fancy smanchy thing. And so I just realized, you know, we always hear fly your freak flag. And, and the thing is, we're not freaks. We're actually free. Mm. We are actually, we are actually not insane. My, my husband loves to sweetly say you're insane. And I'm like, yes, baby, I am. And that's why you married me. And it's, and it's so true. Like by the end of the day, he was, so I made the mistake of buying this sequin sweater off Instagram. Ladies, do not buy clothes from Instagram, especially if they're from China, because their size totally wrong. I so just I bought was, something this morning. Hang on a second. You're freaking me out. I was <laughs> not a sequence t-shirt, though. It was just a regular no, t-shirt. This was so cute. It was like cute little boyfriend jeans. And then you like, so you got real casual bottom, but then there's like this sequined sweater top that hangs off the shoulder. And I was like, I could totally rock that. So I order extra large just because my boobs are really, they're not, they don't go out, but they go I'm just wide around the middle these days, that whole growing into my woman body thing. Mm -hmm. And so I, I got, I came home, I'm wearing my tutu and there's the, um, the gold sequin thing. And I put it on and it looks like I'm wearing a little half tight football shirt, like, you know, right up under the boobs. And I, so I'm going to give it to my niece, but clearly clothing that is made in China that is size extra large. I, it just, the sizing was all wrong. Right. But I, I put it on and I'm like, how about this? babe, let's go out in public like this. And he goes, whatever. But he, but I could see his delight in it. Right. Like that's my husband is the good example of, of like, everything has to look good and not be embarrassing. And yet at the end of the day, he married he you. Still, right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing is, and I remember asking him one time, I was like, why did you marry me? You're so critical. And he said, I love all that weird shit you do. Well, cause and, don't you think it liberates him too? Like well, when you see someone else, like you said, flying their freak flag, it liberates that thing inside of you. That's like, oh, I can just be freaky this, too. Yeah, exactly. So he is the personification of most of us because most of us just want permission to be our weird selves. I mean, here's the thing. What adult, what, what grown women, you're, you and I are close in age. I remember the two, the, the two, two things. So when we were little, we didn't have costumes. If we had a costume, it was because our mother or grandmother made it for us. So they didn't have costumes at Toys R Us for us, right? They had those like plastic yeah, You put dolls. them together yourself. Right. With, like leg okay. warmers and whatever you have at home. When I was about 26 or seven, I was in Chicago and I walked around the corner at FAO Schwartz and I mean, I'm a grown woman. I walk around the corner and there are tutus there and there are dress up clothes that are like, I mean, they were just so fancy. They weren't plastic. And I started crying. I just had this moment of somehow my little girlness got lost. And and I, I blew that off and went on. It was this sweet little tender moment. And, you know, when my nieces were born and they're now 14 and 15, I just, there were so many little things that I just, we didn't have that. And I didn't get that. And and then so it's like, you know what, I, I want a tutu. I think I want a tutu. And if I really didn't care, maybe I'd run around like one of these cute little kids that we see, you know, she's got on her tights and she's got on her tutu and she's got on her cowboy girl boots and she's just, she's just being expressive. And, and yesterday wearing that tutu, I'm going to start wearing my tutu a lot more and I'm definitely always wearing it to the gym because <laughs> if, but that's the thing, what would you wear Giovanna if nobody were judging you and you wanted to feel fun and playful? Maybe it's not a tutu or maybe it's a low cut and show your boobs dress or, but that's the thing is there's so many ways people have told us we're wrong. Well, it's true. And because I, I mean, I'm still, I'm very, I'm confessing that I still suffer from that. Like what, how does my physical appearance look? Like I obsess about the extra weight that I put on and that I don't have thigh gap and that, you know, and all of these things. And actually it's really funny that we're talking about this because 
Um, my, uh, my course in miracles teacher who I follow on Facebook yesterday, she, um, posted this amazing meme and it said, um, mother Teresa didn't give a shit about the size of her thighs. She had shit to do. Yeah. <laughs> I so loved true. it because, and, it, but it speaks to this whole, if you could liberate yourself from what other people think of you and, and the judgments you have about yourself, how much more successful can you be in your life or your business or your relationship or just in being you, whether you're, right. you know, a stay at home mom or whatever. Yeah. Well, and then there's this place, right? Like where I've gone from defending it. And, and for a while, like even with my body, I would defend to my husband. He was like, I just want you to take care of yourself. And I'm like, I'm doing good work. Don't worry about my body. And then, then actually through this art process, I got a message that said, walk or die. And it was almost a year ago. So uh, it was in November of 2016. And so I started walking and, and mind you, I have become, you know, I used to be a, an athlete and I had become very sedentary and behind the computer and uh, my depression was really heavy and my body was at an all time heaviness. And I, I was fine with my body the way it was looking. I wasn't fine with the way it was feeling. And so I started walking and my first walk was, um, just around my backyard. And I walked around my backyard. I had a little Fitbit and I made myself do, I think, 2000 steps, which is barely a mile. And it nearly killed me. And my husband meaning well, um, because he loves me. And he actually, after his first, his first marriage had gotten really fat and he stays in shape. He's not obsessive about it. He's actually very moderate and healthy about it. But he's like, Alison, you, I mean, you could do this. You could, you know, you could move your body and kind of should come to the gym with me. And you know, always very supportive with a little bit of a nudge. And, but I was like, no, I'm doing it my way. I'm doing it my way. And, um, and it's interesting because I, I've been walking almost every single day for a year and now I walk much further and I gradually and slowly shed 10 pounds and, uh, you know, I'm not trying to lose weight, but that's the thing. There's so many ways we're told this is how you have to do. And I just, I've started to listen. So as I go through these processes and as I let myself be, and when I stop defending it, I can trust, well, this is my way to nurture my body. And the focus is on, you know, for me moving and, and my depression is actually gone. I have not had a depression. I have not been depressed since I started walking. It's unreal. Um, and it's the same thing in business, right? It's like, I know what they do at boot camp. I know how to do my diet. I, I know all those rules, right? I took the weightlifting classes in college. You and I both know there's a thousand ways. And so it's great. We've know those ways, but then what we can do is we can slow down and listen to the wisdom within, listen to our yes. guides. And my guide said, walk. They didn't say join a class or do a diet. And then they brought me someone that um, helped me. This was so beautiful. I texted um, my co colleague, Janelle Cobb, who was also a client of mine at the time. And I, I, she's big food expert and has gone through adrenal fatigue. And I was like, hey, I think I want to do a, um, a cleanse. And she said, call me right now. Do not do a cleanse. And what was so beautiful. Is Especially she not if you have adrenal fatigue, people. <laughs> well, yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, do not other, do a cleanse. Other thing she noticed about me personally is she noticed that my psyche doesn't do denial. I don't, I don't do takeaway. <laughs> I do better moving towards pleasure than you taking something away. And she said that'll never work. And she gave me five things to add to my diet. So um, protein, I have protein in the morning. I have a green juice every day. I don't make it. She gave me the names of a couple that I could buy and I just stock up. And there's a few other little minor, there are just these little tiny ads to my life. Is it making a drastic change overnight, but in a, a year of doing these gentle practices, right? Just like a spiritual practice. And what is it? Um, there's the, the, um, um, physics, um, quantum physics, mm -hmm. it's frequency over intensity. And so if we frequently can eke out an, a, a, an authentic version of ourselves, it's so much better and so much healthier. And so it creates it's more so movement, healing. more change. Yes. Than it does if we just show up one day and we fly our freak flag, right? If we just, and then next thing you know, it's, that's, it's like the weight going off. You know, I look up and I go in to buy a pair of jeans and the woman says, you are not a size 12 anymore you're a size eight. And I'm like, no way. I'm a size 12. I've been a size 12 for like five years. My eight days are over. And she goes, honey, 
these tens are too big for you. You need a size eight. And it was so funny because I wasn't even trying to get down a size. And I'm certainly not glorifying that, but it was an interesting surprise to me that frequency over intensity. And it's the same thing in business. When people ask me, Allison, how year after year after year after year have you managed six figures and to net as much as the million dollar coaches do um, and have fun and do all this other stuff? And it's frequency over intensity. And by all means, I'm not the most disciplined person, but it is showing up in that creative expression. With your tutu. With my tutu. It it is. (laughs) And when I say creative, it's so funny because we think that that means all the colors, right? For me, creativity is the expression. The The markers or the pens or the tutu might be the expressive tool, right? Do you get the difference? Totally get the difference. Yeah. Showing up in the expression of who I am and what I'm feeling today has created the audience that when I do make an invitation or an offer that says me, 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 and so, yes, that is what I try to teach people to do is what do you really want? What do you, if you could express anything, what would it be? And as they begin to get comfortable doing that, they start to see some traction. You know, we mm-hmm. add a little, we add a little bit of, you know, I think I, I know you do some sales training too. Um, I've heard you teach your sales sandwich a couple times, right? And I have, <laughs> I have this really thick sales background and handling objections and language and all these other things that I, I'm able to help somebody put on top of that expression where we can tweak their skills. So it's like skills plus your authentic self is unstoppable. Well, I love that. I love that. And that just feels like it's the, (laughs) I feel like that you just summed up the entire show there, right? Like your skills, the, the repetition, the slow and steady, but bringing in your authenticity. And of course, from everything that you shared, this creativity, like that's, that's a perfect, that's a perfect wrap right there is to like (laughs) wrap up the whole show and like just a little bow. Um, Allison, if you could leave us with just one more tip, something practical that people listening can take away, whether it's, you know, to, to apply in their business or to apply in their personal lives around what we've talked about, what would be that one thing? Hmm. I think the one thing would be, so you said practical, I'm going to, I'm going to say if I were you, I would journal every single day and write a list of your I am's. And when I say I am, I mean, capital I am. So like, I am divine. I am wild. I am flow. I am magic. I am able. I am creative. I am learning because we forget who we are. And I want I want you to remember, but I don't want you just to keep it in your head. There is something about getting that expression out. And so that's what I would, I would say is make a list of at least 20 IMs with pen and paper every single day. I love that. It's a great reminder and, and fly your freak flag, right. And, and get creative and, you know, it's that, again, that parenting of that inner child that never got to be creative or was put down for her creativity or her right. loudness or her whatever it mm-hmm. is. And yep. really starting to nurture that because that'll benefit you in all areas of your life. I love it. Allison, I loved having you on this show. It was so much fun to have this conversation. Thank you, Thank you for Thank you. being here. Thank you so much for tuning in and keep rising, everyone. For books and resources related to today's episode, make sure you head over to SheRisesPodcast.com and I'll see you there. If you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure you tune back in next week when I dive into more juicy topics to help make your life the best it can be. And hey, if you've enjoyed listening to the show and you love it, head on over to iTunes and leave me a rate and review and subscribe there to the show. 